Hey family, welcome to the Sophia McBride podcast. You will learn about prayer, prophecy, deliverance, and so much more. Your family, so go ahead and follow us on all social media platforms. This season is called Deliverance for Real and for Life. Now let's get into the second part of Sophia Spills the Tea. Viewer discretion is advised. Sexual assault, trauma, or violence may be discussed in today's episode. The next question is, how did you learn about deliverance ministry ministry and the supernatural? I think I just answered some of that, but I will talk more about the supernatural realm this time. Um, I learned about deliverance ministry through study, through study of other people's books, but more importantly, the word of God. I learned that deliverance was for the believer because Jesus himself was always casting out devils. And so I remember the scripture that says this you will do and so much more, not so much more because I'm more powerful than Jesus, but that because there's so many more of us. And as we understand the word of God, we can reach more people. Amen. We can reach the people and we can gain authority through Christ to cast out devils. Glory to God. But I learned about the supernatural because one day, well, there were several things that happened, several things that happened in my life. I, oh, oh, let me tell you about this one. When I was a little girl, you remember one of the questions was, were there any signs? Yes. I was a little girl, again, singing in the choir. And I, but this was at school. I went to St. Joseph Catholic School, which one, which was one of the most transforming times in my life as a child. And after the situation happened with my father, I was able to go to that school. Praise God. Changed my life forever. They taught us the word. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, they taught us the word at that school. The first class of the day was religion and as they taught me the word, honey, I believed it. And I, that word was just building and encouraging my soul. So anyway, was at St. Joseph, we went on a field trip and on the field trip with the choir, um, I went into McDonald's and I wanted a, I wanted a sandwich and some orange juice. Well, for whatever reason, all I had was enough money for the sandwich, okay? So I had the sandwich in a bag, but the manager heard me ask for the sandwich and orange juice, okay? So by the time, so I, so the, the employee at the register had already taken my little money, gave me my few little pieces of change back and had given me my sandwich. But as I'm walking out of the door, the manager of the McDonald's calls me back. Now you have to understand I'm a little girl, but I was very intuitive child, probably because of the kind of things I was walking um, in or experiencing in my life. Because I only told you of one thing. There's so many more things that happened as a child that, that really... Uh, caused me to need a lot of deliverance in my life. Well, anyway, the manager calls me back and 
He says, what did you ask for? I said, I asked for orange juice. He said, why didn't you just give the little girl her orange juice? And he said, well, let me see how much money you have. When I opened my hand, when I opened my hand, I want you to know that not only did I have enough money to pay for that orange juice, but I had more than enough. So the young man at the register, he said she only had like 18 cents. When I opened my hand, and I'm telling you, this, this was so powerful. This has happened to me more than more than once in my life, by the way. But it was as a child, it I I was blown away because I too had counted the money in my hand. When I opened my hand, I had more than enough. So the manager said <laughs> she has more than enough money. And the young man at the register said, No, she did not. You know, it blew his mind. And so the manager just gave, he had it in his hand anyway. He gave me the orange juice. I didn't even have to buy the orange juice. But the point was the money multiplied in my hand. I'll never forget it. It was just mind blowing. It was like, you know, it was amazing. So what happened, that was one of the times, that was something that happened in my life that I knew only Jesus could do. But again, I wasn't getting that type of teaching at my church. Okay. So then there was, a, um, I, I, I remember one night uh, and I was grown at this time. I stayed up late and I saw a minister on TV about one, two o'clock in the morning. And as I'm watching him, he did not touch the people. He just prayed for the people. And sometimes he might lift his hand or sometimes he would just pray and they would go out in the spirit. Well, when they would get up, they were healed. So I, I was so desperate for God because I was like I told you, I'd worked in the church all my life. And so I was tired, y'all. It's a lot of work being the choir director. Let me tell you how you have to come up with the music that is related to the messages coming forth the next week. You have to teach the songs, teach the parts, and then you have to be preparing for the next week. You got to come up with what you're wearing if you don't have a, a robe. It is a lot of work. And I remember telling God, if this is all it is to you, God, I, I mean, I don't know if I could do this the rest of my life because I was working hard and I just didn't see a benefit at the time. Okay. Be this is before I went to Apostle A.R. Williams Church. Okay. So I'm in the church and, and one day I promised this happened. <laughs> I know this sounds like a little story or something, you know, uh, you know how sometimes when uh, movies are on, on screen, they add some dramatization to make it more powerful or more um, enlightening for the, for the viewer. But this actually happened. So I was in church at the altar because we had an altar call just to have altar call not because we were actually 
going to get prayed for or anything, but we were just at the altar and I was praying these things in my mind to God. Okay. I had already started praying in, in the intercession. God had already started developing me. So I was praying in my mind to God. And I was like, Lord, is this it? I promise this happened. <laughs> okay. The light of God, it was like, and maybe it was the sun, but it felt like the light of God shone on my face. And I felt like he just, from that moment forth, he began to open me up to the things of the spirit realm, the supernatural. And I had seen that person, that minister. And I said, if that is you, God, if that is the God of Jesus Christ, the one, yes, the, the God that has a son named Jesus Christ, the, the Trinity, if that is you, God, that's what I want. I remember and I said, God, I want, I want the fullness of you. I was about 23 years old. I want the fullness of who you are. God, I want it with everything that's in me. Amen. Well, from that point on, can I tell you that God began to pour into me? And as I prayed and sought him, he was just filling me. He was teaching me. Nobody taught. I didn't have anybody to go to, to teach me how to pray. He taught me himself. It was amazing. And, and so I, I even have the journal. My, I have that first journal and I would say, okay, I believe the Lord is telling me to do this. And I would do everything he asked. He, he would tell me to read these scriptures and I would read and, and, and read this chapter. I would read, and then I would begin to apply it to my life. And so the supernatural kind of came as a result of me saying, God, I want that. I want to know, I want to know you as a healer. I want to know you as Jehovah Rapha. If you can heal people, I want to know it. And I want to be part of it. I want to see it, <laughs> you know? And so God, if, if you can deliver people, hey, I want to be a part of it. So that's what he began to give me amazingly. Amen. I went through this process, but that's what he gave me, the supernatural. So now we even have a book of crazy radical miracles that God has worked through our, our ministry. It's amazing. It's not us. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. It is. Uh, he's the only one. Uh, you can ask my kids all, all of their little life when they would say something was awesome. I say nothing awesome, but Jesus, because there is nothing that is awesome. But Jesus, he's the only one that can heal. He's the only one that can open up a blinded eye. He's the only one that can deliver you from cancer. He's the only one. Yes, yes, yes. God uses doctors sometimes, but sometimes he doesn't. Oh my God, God. I remember the first time where the Lord, and I talk about this often because it blew my mind. It's happened many times since, but that time was the most radical time. I'm gonna tell you this and I'll go to the next question. We were praying at a ministry of refreshing. No, excuse me. It was a day of refreshing. There is a difference between a day of refreshing and a ministry of refreshing. A day of refreshing is one day. It's like uh, deliverance on steroids. But the ministry of refreshing happens over 
Friday evening all the way to Sunday morning. Okay, so we were at a day of refreshing. There was a young lady there or was coming that was born with a, with a short leg very short leg and she wore a prosthetic leg and she knew that we were praying and fasting for her. We were believing God in a mighty way that something great would happen and that God was going to grow her leg. And so, oh my goodness, we, we prayed, we fasted. And I, and I don't mean that that we fasted no food type of fast for, I think like three weeks, 21 days. It was something we were believing God in a great way. Okay. We were teaching about healing, teaching the other ministers. And so everyone was, had come there in faith. And so through the, the day had passed and we had seen so many miracles, so many physical miracles, as well as deliverance miracles. Lots of deliverance took place, but we saved her for last, right? So we're praying for her. And as we're praying for her, she began to say that the Holy Ghost was radiating throughout her entire bodies, even her entire body, even into her fingertips. And so we were just, oh my gosh, the, the presence of God was electric to the point where you could, it felt like you could cut it with a knife. It was his glory was all in the room because so, so he had been there the whole day. It was amazing. And so she says, I have she, and so she, she was on the floor cause she could not stand obviously. And so I and and she's saying, God is here. God, she was crying. And so I heard the Lord say to her, go in the bathroom and take off your leg. I heard the Lord say it. Okay. She, and I told her what the Lord said. She would not take off the leg. I literally begged her. I said, you know, we've been praying and you say you feel his presence radiating through your body. You say you've never experienced anything like this. And she was a believer. So she had experienced the presence of God before, but she said she'd never experienced this, but yet she would not take off the prosthetic leg. Why was that important? So that the leg could grow. So we left that day. I was devastated. I'm telling you the truth. I was devastated. I, I was like, God, I don't understand. We prayed. We fasted. I don't, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I was upset. I didn't understand. And so that was a Saturday. Okay. That next morning, my daughter, my oldest daughter was in the newspaper. I knew she was going to be in the newspaper. And so I left out of the house early in the morning and I went to Food Lion. And as I go to Food Lion, I reached over to, I was going to buy two or three papers. So, because again, she was in there and I wanted to keep those papers. So there was this gentleman that was walking up to my right. I, I just drove my car right up and he was walking, uh, I guess, coming towards me. And he asked me, he said, um, do you have $10? So when I looked at him, I said, yes, I have $10, but I noticed that you're limping. I said, what's wrong with your leg? Now, see, this is the thing about when you're a person of faith, even though that had happened 
the night before and I was devastated the night before that faith was so in me. That thing was so ingrained in my heart that even when I'm seeing him now, I had just been disappointed or what I felt was a disappointment. Okay. Before God had had an opportunity to minister to me about that situation, I see him limping. He literally like was, he was like teeter tottering from side to side. And so he had a boot on his leg. And so I said, what's going on there? And he explained to me that two years prior, he had been hit by a car. And when his leg healed, because he did not have medical care, his leg healed wrong. And now it was about four inches shorter than the other leg. So I said, I'm going to give you the $10. Now, I wasn't dressed, guys. I just came out the house just to get some newspapers, okay? I said, I'll give you the $10. But I said, what about your leg? Do you want me to pray for your leg? And he said, yes. Would you pray? I said, yes. So he took off the boot. I began to pray over the leg. And I I prayed over him. And, and, and then I, I prayed over that leg and I began to command it to grow. And I want you to know right before our eyes, his leg grew four inches. I'm telling you, it when that happened, I, I, I thought I was going to jump out of my skin. God grew that leg four inches, four inches. Not only did he grow his leg, he took away all pain. He took away all the pain. He healed him. He healed that leg. That man gave his life back to Jesus that day. He said, I knew Jesus, but some things happened to me and I lost my faith. But God just grew my leg and I, I I cannot, I cannot leave here without receiving him in my heart. That man uh, got saved that day. And yes, I gave him the $10, but oh, what did Jesus give him? He gave him his faith back. He grew his leg. He changed his life forever. It was a radical miracle that neither one of us, I had seen it on TV or stuff, something like that or somebody else, but I'd never seen it with my own eyes. Then I went home. And I said, God, I don't understand. I was just crying. You know, I was like, God, oh, thank you, Jesus. I was so excited about what God, what Jesus had just done. He did this. He did this. I'm talking, I don't remember the year, but this was in the 2000s, y'all. So we're not talking about back in the Bible. This is what Jesus did in this era. Okay. And so I was crying. I said, but Lord, what about this person yesterday? What happened? Why didn't she get healed? And the Lord said, daughter, you had the faith, but she didn't. And so, and he began to minister to my heart. Sometimes we can want something more for someone than they wanted for themselves. And so he said, and later on, that young lady explained to me that through the years that many people had prayed for her and said it was going to grow and it did not. And, but I, and I tried to explain her, but that was your moment. She said, I believe it was, I believe I missed it. Now that came years later that we, uh, 
I went maybe two years later after we had a chance to talk. But what I saw God do that day changed me forever. And from that day forth, look, y'all, I didn't care what the ailment was. I trusted God to heal. I want to say every time we pray, people don't get healed. Well, they may not get a physical healing. Sometimes, sometimes when you look at a person and you say, oh, they need some type of physical healing, but it's, that's not what they need the most. Sometimes they need healing in their heart and in their mind more than they need that physical healing. And so sometimes God does that, but other times people don't get healed. But this is how I have learned to not get upset about that anymore. It's because I'm not the healer. Jesus is the healer. I'm not the one that can heal anybody. Only Jesus can do that. And so once you understand that it's not you anyway, he, he's just using your mouth, using you to connect to the people, then you don't have to worry about, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, it didn't happen. I, because it's not me. It's not on me. It's on him. You understand? Yeah. So the supernatural for me developed over time. I saw people uh, from the beginning of our ministry, you know, it was more emotional healing, but now it's all of that. Plus the physical, the mental, the deliverance. It's all of those different types of healing. And sometimes they happen all at the same time. And so my husband and I, we, we are, we get so excited. It's fun to us to see God do his stuff, to see God operate. It's amazing to us. And, and we just love it. We fell in love with Jesus first and then his ability to do radical stuff later. So the next question is, you mentioned in your podcast that suicidal thoughts and mental torments could be a sign of demonic influence. Were you saying that mental illness is only spiritual? Oh, what a good question. What a good question. So I'm going to start here with the last part of that first. Was I saying that mental illness is only spiritual? Absolutely not. That is not what I'm saying. I am not saying that mental illness is only spiritual. I need to make that very clear. I am saying that oftentimes mental illness is a result of demonic oppression coupled with an actual illness. So I started out today talking about my own father who was after uh, taking illicit an illicit drug, which someone put in his drink, which is what I was told, that this is why he was schizophrenic, okay? Let me say this, the voices of schizophrenia, the voices of schizophrenia, 
I do believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can command the voices to cease and desist. I have actually experienced that. That is something I have actually seen occur, okay, through deliverance ministry. I, again, I'm, I sometimes I say things more than once because I need people to make sure they get the fundamentals very clear. Deliverance is for the believer in Jesus Christ only. If you practice these things with unbelievers, you will still command the devil to come out and the devil will come out. That will happen. Yes, it will. It will happen. However, you run the risk of the demon coming back with seven more treacherous than the first, which I taught in one of the podcasts, and that you, not only does a person have the one they had, but they have seven added to it. They, and this is a revelation that the Holy Spirit gave me many years ago, that you had seven, I mean, you had one plus seven. Now you have eight. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And so you have a new beginning worse than you were before. So this is why we do not practice deliverance ministry on the unbeliever because they will not do what is fundamentally needed to keep their house clean, which is fill their house with the word of God and with the Holy Ghost. They will not invite the Holy Spirit to fill their temple where the demon was housed. Okay, so back to the question. With um, mental illness, and I've had to learn the hard way. I've had to learn the hard way of how to deal with those who are ill with mental illness. It's a little different than with a physical handicap or a physical ailment, even like something like cancer, it's still different. And it's different because it's in the mind. Okay. Number one, I want to say that oftentimes mental illness is, it's brought on, it can be brought on because it's generational, you know, it's in the family line. I see that a lot. But also just say it wasn't in the family line. Say that this is a person and it wasn't in the family line. It can be brought on because of a lack of serotonin in the brain and other vital vitamins and necessary um, elements in the brain. Okay. So, If you fix the lack, the lack that is there, whatever the lack is, like I just said, if you fix that, guess what? Oftentimes their their mind or their mental capacity will be restored, okay? And so sometimes, sometimes just to fix the lack, that is there. For example, if there is a lack of B12, then you may not have energy. So what do we do? We'll take a vitamin or sometimes an infusion, 
to boost our B12 to give us what? Energy. The same concept could be for the brain, okay? And for that part of the brain that may cause some type of mental illness or depression, okay? So if you fix that, then they may, um, everything may return to normal. So you may sometimes have to take some type of medication in order to get your body back in line. Okay. I am, let me also say, I am not a medical doctor. I am not a medical doctor. So what I'm saying is what I have personally taken the time to study and learn. And one of the things that our ministry is blessed with, we are surrounded by doctors, thank God. And so because we are, or those who are PAs, nurses, we are surrounded by that probably because of the type of ministry that we have. And I can ask them questions often, okay? So because of what I we've studied, that's how I'm telling you this, but I am not a medical doctor and please don't, uh, say, well, she said this and, and you can't sue me because I'm telling you I'm not a medical doctor. <laughs> okay. But that's what happens sometimes in the brain. However, what I have seen is people with mental illness, especially with the schizophrenia, I've seen where they have gotten delivered and the demons come back with more treacherous than the first. So what happens is more confusion comes in their brain. And so if you try to do deliverance ministry with a person with a mental disorder, an active diagnosed mental disorder, and sometimes it may not even be diagnosed, but you have discerned it and you've watched it and you know that there is a mental illness that is operating. Then all you're going to do is set them up to be worse than they were before. So what I have learned when it comes to deliverance and people with mental disorders is number one, the absolute main thing is to get the, the mental disorder under control through whether it's medication or some type of therapy or both. Then once we get it under control and the person is thinking in their right mind, okay? Now I can discern that or I can... I'm watching their behavior, okay? Or sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, ask them this question. See, sometimes when you talk to people, people can look one way, but you gotta be discerning and know the truth. And the only way I can know the truth is through the Holy Ghost. But I make sure that their mental, a bit, they, they're in their right mind, meaning they are thinking clearly. They are thinking clearly. They have to be able to think clear because they have to come in line with the word of God and with what it will take them to, what it will take to 
be delivered. It's still, even though you may be on medication at that time, you must fast. You must pray. You, there are certain things that we must do. We must feed our spirit, hallelujah, through the word of God. You must do these things in order to be and remain delivered. Then once the deliverance has come and once the Lord and working with your doctor, then you can come off of the medication because the demonic, the demonic oppression is gone. Okay. So you have to get clear with your doctor. Now, I have seen people come completely off of the medication. I have, uh, I've seen that over and over and over again. Like once we, once they walk through their deliverance through the process we just talked about, they come completely off the medication. However, I have also seen those people who they have not come completely off the medication, but they have come to a much decreased amount of medication because some of that could be that they are by their biological makeup could be that they may need that medication. I am one that believes God has given doctors, scientists, the knowledge and understanding to treat us. So I also believe whether God heals me just like that, or sometimes if he heals me with the surgery, or it's like something needs to come out of my body, okay? Or if he heals me with medication, but I'm healed and I'm not like I was before, I am one to believe that's why he gave us doctors. I believe that because he gave them the knowledge to understand. Uh, my children are, are, are medically inclined, meaning that they study medicine. And it's amazing sometimes to hear them talk because of the revelation that comes out of them that I know could only come from God. One of my children, God has already given uh, her the, the answers to some major illnesses but it only could come from God. And so I was like, wow, that's amazing to me. So God uses people to deliver people. God uses people. Can I get deliverance on my own? Yes, it'll start that way. But then probably he's going to use somebody else to help you go further in your deliverance. God uses people. He uses people to love people. He uses people to minister to people. He uses people to deliver people. So the initial question was about mental illness and is it, is it only spiritual? I pray that I have answered that question thoroughly. And the quick answer is no, I was not saying that in one of my podcasts. And I apologize if it came off that way. It is not only spiritual. We have to look at case by case and understand and uh, looking also with your medical records and what, and you have to be honest. 
Uh, there's a young lady that reach has reached out to me. This one lady, young lady, many people reach out to me online, but a particular young lady reached out to me and she was trying to get me to do deliverance ministry with her. But the Holy Spirit instantly told me, no, 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 no. This is not a one-time occurrence. This is something she's been dealing with most of her life. And surely I found out later that's absolutely true. And so um, that's why God gives us wisdom, wisdom. And the wisdom can only come through through him and through trial and error. Okay. So I think we have two more, three more questions here. I'm going to try to get to those. In episode two, you talked about trauma and how it can open the door to demonic attacks. Were you talking from experience or are you just saying it from reading a book? Oh my goodness. My goodness. Y'all coming with these questions. Let's see. I am definitely not speaking from a book. The amount and type of trauma that I have experienced in my life is probably overwhelming to the average person. The trauma started very early in my life. And I'm going to tell that even before this, but I'm going to tell this particular story. When I was seven years old, I was, my babysitter had twin sons. And when you are a, well, I can't say that's always true, but sometimes when you are an only child being raised by a single parent. Your single parent can always take you to the park and do a lot of fun things because quite frankly, they're just trying to provide for you. So I had a babysitter, which was actually a distant relative. And her son came home one day. Remember, I'm seven. And he said, I'm going to take you to the park. I got so excited. It's like, yes, already. And so I took off. And be but before we went to the park, he took me over to a friend's house, a few houses down. I believe his father was a doctor. And he, I remember this person saying to him, remember, oh, I didn't tell you how old he was. He was 14. So I was seven. He was 14. Now, what I had to learn later, even in raising my children, because of the trauma that I received, I had to learn that children who are raised in solid homes that have been covered and kept and taught well, taught the word at an early age, and, you know, they're not going over people, spending the night over people's houses, so all kinds of stuff is not happening to them. I had to learn that mentally, children at seven, they don't think about sex. That That's not normal because if you're, if they're not watching it or, or seeing something on, you know, the inappropriate, they don't think about that because that's not where their mind is. So I'm seven. Okay. 
and he's 14. And I remember his friend saying, and I looked down at his leg and he said, oh, you nasty. They used, some of the friends used to call me Sophie. Oh, Sophie, you nasty. By the way, I hate Sophie. <laughs> but my family can call me Sophie because it's been going on so long. But I hate Sophie. But he says to me, because it's not my name. So he says to me, oh, you nasty. Do you know? I did not know what in the world he was talking about. So we went from his house to the park. When we get to the park, which was at my elementary school, I ran to the swing and I'm swinging on the swing. And this boy says to me, come on back here. I'm not going to let you swing if you don't come back here first. I want you to know that he raped me at seven. He brought a towel with him. He laid in the woods at my school. I haven't been there in many years, but there used to be woods around the elementary school, uh, Lakeview Gardens. And he, in that in that woods, he laid that, that, that uh, towel down and he raped me at seven years old. After he raped me, this is, this is the part that is so crazy <laughs> for me as a child. Do you know I ran back to the swing? I, you know, because I'm thinking he got whatever, whatever that was, he got that. But I'm trying to still play at the park. And do you know he didn't allow me to swing on the swing? He told me we had to go. So when we on the way, on the walk back from the park to his mother's house, he told me to go into the bathroom. He no, he told me to go get a towel, to go into the bathroom, to wash my vagina, you know, my vagina. He also told me to take off my panties and wash them. I did everything that he told me to do. Okay. So I was, that, that's a trauma that I, I'm, I'm the, one of the main traumas I've had many, even before that, but that was a trauma that actually, interestingly, and I began at 40 years old, the memory of that began to come back. And look at this. I knew it happened, but it did not seem to affect me in my life before that. But at 40 years old, it seemed to become a reoccurring dream and thought, and it almost began to haunt me. So I sought out a Christian counselor and I remember the first day that I get into the counselor and I begin to tell him, I, I just ran down my life because I said, I don't want to waste no time. So I begin to tell him all of these horrific things that had happened. And I said, because I need you to know these things so that now I can go to what my real problem is. <laughs> okay. And so I began to tell him a phenomenal man of God, phenomenal man of God. And the Lord blessed me. Not only uh, was he a Christian, but he also operated in deliverance ministry, a very rare <laughs> type of doctor. Okay. Um, and so he, I, I told him, I said, I don't understand. I This thing is really on my mind all the time. It's affecting me. I just don't get it. And he began to explain to me, there's one or two things that will happen to a child that is raped or some horrific trauma happens to them. And he says, the first thing that will happen, their mind splits. Uh-oh, that's where some of that mental illness comes in. That's what he explained to me. 
Okay. And then he says it can split and then they almost become two different people. They come the person that can deal with the trauma, you know, or they, and, and they become the person um, sometimes uh, that is dealing with the trauma, but you, I mean, they're not dealing with the trauma. They're, this, this is the effect of the trauma. And that's what we see, that mental illness. Okay. And what we tend to say as people, oh, they're crazy. And, and so that he said that can happen or, or they will tuck it away. And he said, so what happened to you, your mind did not split. You tucked it away until a later time until you could deal with it. And now you're 40. God has, you know, God has uh, brought you to this point because I was in active ministry, deliverance ministry at that time. Okay. And so he says, now you're 40. And now God is saying you can deal with this now. So I had to go through therapy to deal with something that happened to me at seven years old. So again, I'm an advocate for psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, because I've seen how doctors have operated in my own life. Pause. For more information on today's topic, go to SophiaMcBride.com. SophiaMcBride.com. You will find many more resources that covers this topic and so much more, including Prophetess Sophia McBride's book, Hell's Enemy, Warfare Prayer to Save a Nation. Now let's get back into the word. Another trauma that came not intentionally, actually, <laughs> but uh, when I had my last daughter, uh, this is a trauma that as I'm having, long story short, I was scheduled to have a C-section and as I'm having the, I'm there and we're, we're waiting and the doctor comes in, not my doctor, not my doctor. Very important. It's not my doctor. She was the doctor on call. She says, we have to do a C-section. I said, why? She explained to me, we got to get the baby out. It's been too long. I said, okay, I've never seen people move as fast as they move. I've never seen that before in my life. They move so fast. It was like supersonic fast. And so we get into the, the, and I'm awake. Okay. So they, they, they have numbed you up for the C-section or whatever, and I'm awake. And, and I was scheduled to have a tubal ligation. I was scheduled for that uh, because at that point that was my fourth baby. And that could actually be reversed if I ever changed my mind. So that's why I was scheduled for that. And so she, but when she went in to do the tubal ligation, she actually uh, made a mistake and she cut me in a way obviously you have to be cut but she cut in a way that she could not find where she cut me and so then she did an emergency hysterectomy then after she dis did the emergency hysterectomy again she could not find the blood I'm still bleeding she could not find what's happening here she went in they went in they um I'm see they did a uh Let's see. We did the tubal, the hysterectomy. She did an embolism. And by that time, my doctor had arrived. Okay. And which I wish that we had waited on her anyway, but my doctor had arrived. They did a embolism. They still couldn't stop the bleeding. Okay. Uh, that day I wound up having mm -hmm. five surgeries and the last surgery they did, my phenomenal doctor, she 
and I know it was the Holy Spirit because she is a believer. And she told my husband, she says, I'm telling you, I, I don't know that I have the faith. She says, I'm going in on your faith. I believe because you believe. And, and the Holy Spirit reminded her of something. I don't know the technical name of it, but he reminded her of a phone that they use in war. And so in my body cavity, she sprayed this foam. And the, what the foam is designed to do is to find where the cut or the break is and seal it. And that's what happened. So on that fifth surgery that day, she saved my life through the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And that was trauma, obviously, because I wasn't expecting anything like that. And I was dogmatic about nursing my baby. So my healing did not come right away. It took me literally a year to be healed from uh, that incident. And it affected everything in my body. I had 35 pints of blood, 35 pints of blood and blood products uh, from that. And it, it, and when you lose, I lost all of the blood in my body. My skin had turned completely dark, like, like, cause there was no life there. I died three times and, um, they resuscitated me three times. I'm really not supposed to be here, but through the power of Jesus Christ, I am. And, but the healing, the healing took a long time and it was mm -hmm. very traumatic. It was um, difficult. I went through all types of of mental torment because of that incident. I have also been through uh, physical, verbal, emotional abuse in my childhood that was extreme in nature. So when someone asked the question, <laughs> is this something I read? I want you to know, no. So I told you I was raped at seven. I was also raped by at 19 by my boyfriend. Okay. He was my ex-boyfriend. But, you know, sometimes when you break up, you're still trying to work it out. He was an athlete. He played basketball. And he raped me at 19. There's some more detail there, but I'm not going to put all of it out there that he did to me that day. And I think for me, when I was seven, maybe that's why it didn't affect me until I was 40. But I understood that was not my fault. But when I was 19 and raped by my boyfriend, and the other things that he did to me. I think that that was the one that I had the most problem with. And that's because I personally felt if you weren't fornicating, then you wouldn't have been raped and the other stuff. I'm letting you know there was some other horrific things that happened that night. If I, and I always felt that I put myself in that predicament. 
And so, you know, intellectually, you understand that you did not, like, it, it still was wrong. He should not have raped me. It was not my fault that this, this man, who was actually a little older than me, um, did not, you know, did rape me and it was not my fault. I get that. But I think I struggled with if I had not put myself in that predicament and if I had been living what the word of God teaches, then I would, this would not have happened to me. So um, those are just a few <laughs> of the things that I have walked through that I needed tremendous deliverance. I needed tremendous deliverance. And from that situation with my ex-boyfriend, I think that led to self-hatred because, again, I felt you brought that up on yourself. That was you. That, yes, he did it but that was you. I could tell you so many other things and um, this is not a pity party. This was a question that was asked of me. And so what the books did for me was help me to be able to put things in perspective as to why I had to go, or I can't say had to, but went through some of these things and how do I get out? How do I how do I get my mind free from the constant memories? And God taught me, and I pray this over people all the time. Girl, you need the memories to be healed. And so God, do you know God heals memories? Oh, he's so awesome. I told you only Jesus is awesome. Jesus heals memories. So Jesus healed those memories. And so sometimes even if the thought comes back, it doesn't have the pain associated with it. Or I don't really even think about that stuff, you know, because he's healed that memory. And I'm praying that as I'm talking, that God will begin to move in your life and you will begin to know, oh, I need some deliverance. And Jesus is the one that can give it to you. Let's move on to the next question. Do you need deliverance, a deliverance minister in order to get deliverance? Or can you go through the process by yourself? Can you go through the process by yourself? That That's an excellent question also. So I will tell you that as I, as God began to draw me into deliverance, a tremendous amount of deliverance I did receive, not by myself, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, through fasting and prayer and through specific scriptures that whatever that, you know, the issue that I was dealing with, like I told you, we had the fear in our home. And so we were confessing those scriptures day and night. We were fasting, we were praying and through though, through that deliverance came. So the answer to the question is you can get some deliverance by yourself. Okay. However, 
I do believe that there will come a time where you will need a deliverance minister because sometimes we, the enemy, is blocking the truth of what's actually happening within you. You may think is this, but it's actually that. You're more focused on something that is actually not the real root of the issue. You may need a person to actually receive a word of knowledge from God in order to pinpoint exactly what the root of the issue is. So do you need a deliverance minister? Yes. Can you walk through parts of deliverance by yourself? Absolutely because I did. And I believe that part is necessary because once he calls you into deliverance ministry, or once you recognize that you need deliverance, guess what? You're going to be the first one to get delivered. So yes, he's going to walk you through tremendous amount of deliverance on your own. Okay. He's going to, uh, he, he, and then as you get as free as you probably possibly can by yourself, guess he will provide that deliverance minister. He will divide, uh, provide that opportunity for deliverance. So we even do something, like I said, the day of refreshing, the ministry of refreshing, the night of refreshing. And when we're doing those events, deliverance definitely comes forth. So what we ask you to do as you're preparing to, to come is to fast, to pray, to get your scriptures that are relative to you and what you're walking through. Confess them, believe them, trust in God, seek him with everything you got. And deliverance will begin to come even before you get to the event. And then we will begin to pray over you. Sometimes we do individual. Sometimes we do mass deliverance. Anywhere it goes, people get delivered. Sometimes because the presence of God is there uh, in such an abundance, people, I don't even have to say a word. Deliverance just starts coming. They just start throwing up. Sometimes, so we don't even have, sometimes we don't have to do anything. And other times we have to speak directly to it. So deliverance comes in a lot of different ways. Let me ask, say this real quick. What does deliverance look like? Deliverance looks like freedom, freedom. Okay. But uh, on the practical side, what does deliverance look like? Sometimes people throw up. Sometimes people sneeze and some, and it's not like a regular sneeze. It might be 10 in a row, seven in a row, five in a row. Sometimes people cough. Sometimes people, um, now if we see them choking, it's because the enemy's trying to keep it in. Like there's a fight, there's a battle going on. And, um, and, and the, the enemy wants it to stay and the person wants it out. Okay. So that's not, we don't deal with, we command that to loose them in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. So, um, there's all types of manifestations that it can it happen. Um, sometimes people yarn it out. Okay. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's, and people don't like to say this, but it's true. Sometimes people poop it out. I told a story in one of the podcasts where this person in my life, she was throwing up and pooping at the same time because I cast out the spirit of pride. Uh, so there's all different type of manifestations that sometimes uh, people's nose run for some reason. Uh, sometimes people cry it out. Uh, so all types of manifestations. Now, when there has, I have seen sometimes people start acting violent. Well, that's a demon and it's going to come under subjection. We bind that. So we don't allow that crazy behavior to go on. Okay. It's not going to happen because that's just the devil just 
just wanted to act a fool. We're not going to, we're not going to deal with that. And we have authority over that. I've actually seen uh, where a demon, uh, the person falls out and they begin to flip. Okay, well, I don't want them to get hurt. So I commend I command the enemy to cease and desist. You're not going to rip and tear them. You're not going to act a fool and hurt them. Okay, so, but you have to have authority or recognize your authority. And see, as Christians, we have authority, but sometimes we don't recognize that we have authority. So you have to recognize your authority. You have to come into the knowledge that I have authority over the enemy. And the only way you can know that is through one practice and two, knowing your word and applying your, um, the full armor of God, the blood of Jesus. Amen. So I hope I answered that question in such a way that you understood. Num and the final question for today, and maybe we'll do this again. I hope I have helped you all. And it's kind of like a fun question. They said, what is one fun fact about you? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of fun things about me. And I think my kids would tell you that. Uh, they think I'm very funny for some reason. I'm not trying to be funny, but they always say, mom, you're so funny. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. But I hate, let's see, one fun fact. Oh, when I turned 40, I jumped out of airplane. <laughs> I did. And that's something I had always wanted to do. I had uh, was in ROTC all through high school and three years in college. And unfortunately, I was not able to become the second lieutenant that I thought I was going to be as I was in ROTC right before I was going to the, the camp, the leadership training. I had a medical issue where I got out of the military or military preparation in ROTC. Well, anyway, so I had always said, if I'm going to go in the army, I'm going to be airborne. <laughs> I'm going to jump out of airplanes. I used to love repel and belay, those type of things. And so and when I turned 40, I said, I'm going to finally jump out of this airplane. Now, I did it. It was fun. My cousin and I, we, <laughs> we did it together. It was wonderful. But I decided I'm probably not going to do it again. Because when you are preparing to jump out of an airplane at 14,000 square feet, they make you sign all of these papers saying, if you die, you cannot sue. <laughs> okay. And so um, you have to get a wheel. You have to do all these different things. And I said, you know what? My kids need a mama. <laughs> so I'm going to not do that again. So that I did it once. I don't need to do it again. Okay. And I would not necessarily encourage anybody to do that because it is dangerous and you could die. Okay, but I believe God had a calling on my life and he needed me to be here so that many of you could be free. <laughs> so that's a fun fact about me. I am adventurous and I am a dare angel. I love to do things at least once, you know, and uh, I'm always willing to try new things. So, hey, family. We just want to say thank you for listening. We appreciate all of the comments, questions, and support that you've showcased the Sophia McBride podcast. We truly appreciate you. 
If you haven't already, check out Prophetess Sophia's children's book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? You can find this book and many more at SophiaMcBride.com. Now let's get back into the word. You know what? I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I pray that deliverance is coming to your life by listening to the teachings and even maybe even answering these questions. You know how to reach me. You can reach me at sophiamcbride.com. You can leave me a message there and, and we will respond to you. So I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. God bless you. And I'll talk to you next time. Hey, family, if this episode has blessed you, please leave a five-star review and let us know. Tune in next week for the second part of Sophia Spills the Tea. Remember, this season is called Deliverance for Real and for Life. We love you and we will see you next week. You prayed with me. You prayed with me. You prayed with me.